you know, the guy who wrote the song is like, I can't rhyme much with Cotter. <laughs> He's like, I'm just going to have to go off the rails here and make something different. Otter. <laughs> <laughs> here are some words that rhyme with Corey. What a, what, a, what a fun, yeah, what a fun song. Pot. You say hot rhymes with Cotter? <laughs> pot. Pot. It's still pot. Cotter it and pot don't rhyme. Do you mean Potter? Sure. That's not how rhymes work. He's <laughs> not the front part. Slaughter. Did we just uncover another very basic thing Gordo yeah, should Yeah, Gordo doesn't know how to rhyme. <laughs> You're a musician and you don't know how to rhyme. <laughs> I also don't know how to play an instrument too, so <laughs> let's be let's be fair. Welcome back, everyone, to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and forgetting anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if it's a show we want to greenlight or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about Welcome Back, Cotter. Welcome Back, Cotter went 95 episodes over four seasons on ABC. Today we're talking about episode one, which is called The Great Debate, originally airing September 9th, 1975. So to get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me, as always, the boys... Nick, Gordo, Ferg, and Joe. What's going on, guys? Hey, oh, hey, oh. Oh, oh, oh. Good old Yaha Feldman. <laughs> but, Jay, did you enjoy watching just the first televised episode of this? <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, I guess just to get into it. This was another fl- It's It's my fault, I technically. So, Welcome Back, Cotter is another episode where Pilot is not the first episode. I knew that and told everybody that. But when I downloaded the episodes to have them ready for everyone to watch, the thing I downloaded mistagged the episode. So it called episode one, The Great Debate, but it was actually the pilot episode. I watched it and then reminded everyone after I watched it again to make sure they watched the right episode and then realized I watched the wrong episode. I should have noticed that the pilot did not have a debate, let alone a great one. (laughs) Uh, I would go as far to say that this episode did not have a great debate either. So I'll, towards the end, after we're done, like we did when this happened with Coach, I think like me and Ferg can maybe take a second and maybe talk about what we saw in the pilot episode and maybe hypothesize why they would have swapped it, but I don't know if there was a glaringly obvious reason this time. No. Well, upside of them doing it this way, this way we got James Woods. Yes. (laughs) I was super surprised to see him pop up. He popped in. I was like, is that fucking James Woods? I had to go into IMDb to make sure it was him because he was so skinny. I was like, is this just a dude that looks like him? Like- yeah, I didn't catch it at first. And then and then I'm going back and looking at stuff. I'm like, wait, that is James Woods. One of two Oscar-nominated people. Him and uh, Travolta, both Oscar-nominated actors. Yeah, because of Battlefield Earth, right? I believe it was that or Michael. <laughs> I'm sure Juan Epstein won a Razzie. R.I.P. Come on. Uh, Juan Epstein is the lead in a movie from 1981 that I found today that I cannot wait to watch that is streaming free on Prime. That's what is it called? Underground Aces. It's like a police academy style movie, but about people who park cars like valets underground and like a billion people are in it, including Frank Gorshin, the Riddler, whose name is Freddy <laughs> Krueger in it, like four years before A Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm like obsessed with seeing this movie. Michael Winslow from uh, Police Academy is in it. There's also another Police Academy reference in here too, Jay, so you better get ready because we will have a reason to bring up a certain somebody. Also, we talked in the we talked a couple of weeks ago, like maybe we should bring up like the tomato meters and stuff like that. 
Nothing on um for Welcome Back, Cotter on Rotten Tomatoes. I still don't get There's it. no rating? No. <laughs> no. Not for either. The show as a whole, no. Wow. But I can say that the show as a whole on IMDb gets a 7.6. And then if we were to go to just this episode alone, this episode also gets a 7.6. So by the Gordo meter, you would be throwing only 30% of your rotten no tomatoes. this is imdb so i don't know what imdb you'd be throwing and for those of you who listen to us if you listen every week you would know that um or at least the last few weeks you would know gordo doesn't know what rotten tomatoes is or math or top gun and then uh it's... <laughs> or an antagonist welcome back cotter goes did you guys watch this show i mean it was obviously before it just came out before we were even alive but it had a big nick at night run in the 90s yeah this is a classic nick at night show yeah this is another one that when it was on Nick at Night, it really bothered me because it didn't go with the whole trend. It was Cotter Fridays. There was no fucking, like, that didn't yeah, Welcome Back good. Wednesdays makes way more sense. Exactly! But they already had Bewitched Be Wednesdays, which I also didn't like. I also remember not being super stoked when this came on. Uh, I was just, I was like, ah, shit, okay. See, I always liked the show. This was a show, this was my pick, and it was a couple reasons for me to pick this one. Uh, a, I did like it. We haven't really represented a lot from this timeline as much lately, so I thought it'd be good to mix it in. Also, I figured it was simple, and <laughs> I wanted something that wasn't going to be super hard to prepare for. This is definitely a simple episode. In theory, you were right, until you fucked up. Yes, and I guess the whole reason it even got a Nick at Night run was there was, like, this big resurgence. Like, after John Travolta did Pulp Fiction and, like, became, a, like, a big star again, that's when they were like, oh, we should uh, scoop this up and put it on Nick at Night. Not all the Horshack fans clamoring. Yeah. I totally forgot that John Travolta was in this. Really? Vinny Barbarino. It's his most famous thing. Ba, 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 barino. You know, it just never clicked when I was younger, I think. Because like I said, I remember watching this at Nick at Night when it first came on and never clicked that it was John Travolta. I almost said Tony Danza. <laughs> John Travolta. And then watching this tonight, I'm like, oh, oh, holy shit. To be fair, Tony Danza could have played that character. I could see yeah. your confusion. <laughs> they both kind of looked the same, too. This came out in 75, and then it was only a four-season run, but by the fourth season, he had already come out with Saturday Night Fever, Grease, and Carrie, and then it was like he was too big of a star to be in the show. Yeah, I think he's not even in the last season very much, right? He's in, like, I think it was eight out of the 22 or so episodes, and he was getting paid two grand an episode, which at the time was very good. And he was listed as a special guest star every time he was in the episode. So he only did like less than a less than half. I was going to ask, I was going to go look this up, but I figure it might be a good topic of discussion and you guys could just inform me instead. What was Gabriel Kaplan known for? I almost called him Gabe Kapler there for a second. <laughs> oh, Gabe the Babe? Yeah, Gabe the Babe Kapler. Now, what was he known? Because the opening scene of the show and then the actual like, because they have like that, you know, like a teaser intro almost. And then the actual opening scene of the show, he gets a huge applause. Is he very well known at this point? Because I don't know. He was know a comedian. He, he oh, was okay. a comedian and he did like Johnny Carson a few times, but he wasn't like huge or anything like that. Well, here's the thing, though. You, you, always, you kind of forget about this in the world we live in now, right? Like if you, were com if you were a comedian and you did Johnny Carson, there was like two things on TV at all at 11 o'clock at night. So like if you did something on Carson, the whole world pretty much saw you. So like Chico and the Man, a show from around this time, a couple years before this with Freddie Prince, he went on Johnny Carson. He killed it on Johnny Carson. He had a TV show within like a month. 
they were like, oh, okay, the whole world saw this guy and likes him. Let's move quick. So if you did a show like the Tonight Show or you did any of those slots and you got a good reception, they pretty much pushed you into a TV syndication deal. And that's why everybody had like five clean minutes to do because you wanted to have like a good set for TV. And that's pretty much how I mean, this is like he would talk in his stand up bits about like growing up in the sweat hogs. And this is like based on his youth. So like it's like the Tim Allen thing. You just sort of move the comedy into a plot. I also thought he had died, but he is alive and well. What's funny is if you look him up now, he's more known for poker now than he is for acting. Really? He was like in the heyday. He's still active in it. But like in that huge run when everybody was watching Texas Hold'em on television. Yeah. He was like uh, on the final table like three or four years like in a row. Like kidding. He's like a big poker player. It's funny the whole world forgets about this, but like anytime you go to like a Goodwill, you will see just like piles of Texas Hold'em sets because everybody bought one. Every one of us played poker, and I'm going to tell you this up front: I don't think I ever knew how to play Texas Hold'em right, and I still don't. And I'm sure I lost like some money by not knowing what the fuck I was doing. But it we was would fun. still play like up to pretty recently. Uh, it's just more like a lack of a place to play. But we still go to Nick's house and play. Years ago, we used to play. I Wendy's love a good game. poker night, man. Uh, good po- I mean, you see it in TV shows, and when you do it in real life, it is just as satisfying. It's like a bunch of people with too many drinks. Nick's basement that was just a chimney after a while of everybody <laughs> just chain-smoking and drinking and playing poker all night. It was really fun times. Back then, I would even buy like those backwoods, like pre-rolled, yep. hand-rolled cigars. The Clint Eastwood cigars. Chuff on those in a little tiny basement for seven hours. It's disgusting. There was like, um, like a cultural change, because I think growing up, we knew poker like to be like, playing standard five-card draw, and then Texas Hold'em just burst onto the scene on television, and that became the poker everyone started playing. It always bothered me that it was on ESPN, though. I'm like, this isn't a sport. (laughs) Yeah, that should be, like, on the Game Show Network or something, right? Like, it's not a sport. I'll say, there's some physical demands to sitting at those tables as long as they do. Like, they legit are on those tables all day long. Like, that's a strain. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing you don't see in, like, movies and TV when it comes to a poker game. It's because... I've been at a poker table, like, when I would host a poker, like, you're there six hours later, you've just been throwing the same $50 back and forth, basically, winning, losing, and it's just like, oh my god. And that's why every poker game ends the same way. It's like, fuck it, I'm all in, or fuck it, let's split the pot, because yeah. nobody wants to sit there. It's three o'clock in the morning, you're tired, you're done, and it's just a lot. You gotta be, like, a serious poker player to be able to... Maybe that's why it's a sport. It's just a sport of endurance sometimes. It's an endurance test. Yeah. It's like Monopoly. Like, no one wants to keep playing Monopoly when you're four hours in and you just keep landing on somebody's stuff and you just keep trading back and forth being broke. Like, it's just not fun after a while. That's when you accidentally tip the board. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. this game's over. That's a you move for sure. Risk, <laughs> Risk is like that, too. There's just that moment where you know you can't win anymore and then it stops being fun and you have mm-hmm. to wait it out. Like... I have some money. I don't have any property. Like, I, it just, okay, let's just keep going. I find other creative ways to pay my rent. I don't know if Nick was there. You might have been. Gordo one time called me. I was working in the city, and he said, hey, we're all getting a bunch of beer. We're going to hang out. We're going to do all this stuff. And I was like, cool. And I had just finished, and they're like, we got you beer. Just come. Just give us money when you get here. I'm like, that'll be awesome. We're like 22 or something. I take the train all the way down to Gordo's old apartment, and I get there, and they've got, like, the fucking cones of Dunshire game. Just this giant setup. <laughs> I was not there for that. It was remember. Access and Allies. You fucking dork. It was just <laughs> fucking 
pieces and boards and it was like a nine hour game and the trains had stopped running at this point and i wasn't gonna walk home from your apartment i think for a while there was a picture of me with my headphones and my ipod on just sitting in the corner with the beer because i was like i will not play this stupid game with you (laughs) yeah we had bought axis and allies and it's a more in-depth risk Risk takes too long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A more in-depth version of the game that already takes If you takes invited me hours. over to play Risk, I'd say no. I'm like, no, that game takes hours. Like, absolutely not. Yeah, and this apparently is far more involved. That, like, requires tactics on the ground, in the air. You have, like, air troops, ground troops, tank troops. You know what's funny? Goof troops. <laughs> I definitely, I wasn't there for this, but I can tell you how it went. I can pretty much think of who was playing and i can tell you that none of them actually knew how to play but all nope. acted like they knew how to play and it was just a clusterfuck for four that sounds hours. right we legitimately bought it that day and went oh it's gonna be just like risk so why did you fucking buy risk that's a valid point <laughs> well in any event let's get into welcome back cotter so welcome back cotter i think we should the only other tidbit I think I wanted to get into before we even started talking about the episode was, did you read about how Boston didn't even want to air it at first? Like, I think at first they didn't for maybe the first couple episodes. Yeah, because we're going through the bossing stuff. Yeah. Boston, which has a reputation for severe racism, which I think, I hope is dealt down. We've talked about this before, but at that time there was the forced busing, uh, trying to integrate everyone into the same schools and not separate everybody. And that was not going over well. And this was... Again, there's only 75. You know what I mean? We think it's not that long ago. All this stuff is like ancient history, but this was like our parents going to high school. Yeah. Yeah. They just outright didn't play it for like the first season because they were afraid that showing the harmony of an integrated school was like, this is just should be a good example. They were like, we can't play this. There's a black guy in it. That that might be weird. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, yeah, eventually uh, the show was like an instant hit and by like an episode and they're like, uh, never mind. We'll play it. The show starts with Gabe Cotter and he's home on the couch with his wife, Julie. And they're talking about, like, the next vacation they're going to go on, and Gabe goes into this, like, anecdote about his uncle, and not to get ahead, but that's just kind of, like, an every episode thing. There's always these stories about his uncle to, like, start and stop these episodes. Now, I assume that's what his stand-up was, is these uncle stories. I'm sure it's mixed in there. I mean, I've never actually just sat and watched his stand-up, to be completely honest. I've definitely seen clips of it, but I, I probably should have watched some. But I think it was mainly sweat hog stuff, and I'm sure he also had these terrible uncle jokes as well. No offense, Gabe Kaplan, this is not yeah. very enjoyable to watch. Can anybody enlighten me about, like, the sweat hogs? Like, is it just, like, a group of, like, a name? It's like the outcasts. It's it's the, the like, lesser than kids at school. We would have been the sweat hogs. Okay. Yeah, they're, like, not the super smart kids, not the super rich kids, not the ones who do any clubs or play sports. They're just sort of... It's equal to, like, the burnouts, the punks. It was just, like, a nickname that group of people got at that school. It wasn't, like, a, a thing everywhere. It's just very specific to this show. Because the way that you guys were talking about it, like, oh, and it's about the sweat hogs. Like, I thought that maybe it was something bigger. No, I think just, like, when we watch the episode and later on when you meet the other kids that they have the debate with and how they call them the turkeys, I, I feel like it's kind of in that same vein. I'm trying to think of that scene from Ferris Bueller's Day Off where she's going off the... Everybody gets along with them. The freaks, the jocks, the weirdos. Just, like, lists off every group at the school. I, I don't want to tell the whole joke, but basically to summarize, the idea was his uncle was in Miami and he forgot to check into a room on time and he was down there for a convention with his secretary. 
Because of that, there was only one room available. It was a double twin. So instead of him and his secretary having opposite rooms, they had to share one. While they're laying in bed, it's like drafty, and she wants him to close the window. And he basically said something along the lines of, well, if you're chilly, would you like to pretend you're Mrs. Cotter for the night? And she's like, oh, uh, I'd love to. And he goes, go shut the window yourself then. Proving that he's not cheating on his wife, but he's still a bad husband. Well, yeah. That was a funny joke. Maybe the wife was closer to the window in their room. Who knows? But yeah, I thought it was a funny joke. And I'm not doing it justice summarizing it, but I also didn't want to take three minutes telling a joke. Now, I did get ahead in mentioning that this is something that they do kind of every episode. Not very different in a way than like, say, like a Jerry Seinfeld doing stand-up to start the episode. Kind of a routine thing that goes on. How do you feel about that being the way to intro a show? I like it because you get to see him not in the class. And you get to see him with his wife, who becomes more of a fixture in the show, if I remember correctly. But it makes, I don't know, I like in these situations where you're like, sometimes in school shows, you never see the people outside of school. And it's a weird thing, too, right? Like, imagine, remember you saw your teachers outside in the real world? You'd always be like, what the fuck? They're doing stuff. Like, yeah, they're going to the grocery store, man. Like, we all do that. But, like, seeing him at home with his wife, you're like, okay, he has, like, a normal life. He's not just at the school all the time. I think that's, like, a good separation. Yeah, it's almost like a relaxing after dark type thing. I think it works when you realize it's an established thing after a while, like that's his thing. It's a little strange for a first time. Yeah, like if you're watching for the first time, you're kind of like, what's this? But I'm sure if you're like a an avid like fan of the show, every week you like look forward to that. Like, oh, what's the yeah. uncle joke going to be like? Also, did anybody recognize the mom or the wife rather? Oh, yeah. She was uh, Mr. Carter's wife from Welcome Back, Carter. She's also the mom in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh. oh, really? I didn't notice that. And she passed some years back, right? I'm not sure if she was, I didn't see if she was still alive or not, but I mean, this would have been only been like, what is that, like 87? So only 10 years or so later. I didn't even notice that. That's crazy. That's crazy. I didn't realize that. Go from one funny husband to another. Although yeah. I would love to see a Rick Moranis TV show. I know. I thought he was going to do that. Like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids show. Wasn't that going to be a thing? The actual Honey, I Shrunk the Kids show didn't even have Rick Moranis in it. It was some other family. There were still the Zelenskis. Was it a cartoon or a real show? It was a real show. Oh, I remember that. That was like mid-90s. Like, Yeah, it was a Saturday morning. But when he came back into like acting, when Rick Moranis showed his face again a few years back, wasn't that the plan was to do like a show? I, th- I think so. And I thought that he was maybe going to do a cameo in Ghostbusters. Or, like, I think there was like a few things he was working on. And then some asshole punched him in the face. And if I ever meet that person, I will murder them. After I bought a shirt that says Defend Rick Moranis. With a gun on it. <laughs> but... <laughs> Anyways, yeah, from here we get into the intro, and it's one of those like very iconic theme songs. It's just various shots of Brooklyn. The show takes place in Brooklyn, and that's all we're seeing is just old kind of stock footage of Brooklyn in the 70s and the songs playing the whole time. Graffitied trains. It's almost like a city version, like the opposite of how uh, All in the Family is like the suburban streets of Queens. This is like the city parts of Brooklyn, but it's very similar. She died in tw- uh, 2014, and yeah. she was also on MASH, which we covered. Oh, yeah. Who was she in MASH? Mish she MASH. Was at- she was, damn you. <laughs> I was going to say the same joke. A uh, question for you. Who, do we know who sang this theme song, or if this was a, 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 a famous song or whatever? Because it it's a pretty iconic song. It's John Sebastian from The Love and Spoonful. So he wrote the song for the show. The, sh- the song oh, ended up okay. reaching the charts, like became like a number one on the charts. But the funny thing was when he wrote the song, the song was, o- the show was only going to be called Cotter. And he's like, couldn't think of anything to rhyme with it. And he was just struggling to write the song. 
So the welcome back thing was just the song he ended up writing. And it was more about like, you know, what happens in the show and like just kind of the overall theme because we don't see it in this episode, but the idea of the show is Gabe Cotter was a sweat hog, went on to go to college, got his teaching degree, and then went back to the school he went to when he was younger and now is a teacher. Hey, wasn't he the founding member of the sweat hog? He was one of the original, the yeah. original class of sweat hogs. So the song is welcome back because of that. And then the creators of the show liked it so much that they changed the name of the show to welcome back Cotter to fit the song. I won't lie. I don't like this theme song. What? This what? is one of those things that like, we've talked about in other shows where it's like a boring, slow theme song. And it makes me want to shut the show off. It's so feel good to me. Like it's not even from our era, but I have a nostalgia to it because we watched it as kids. <laughs> And like it's just such a feel good song. I don't know. I really like this song a lot. Yeah, it instantly made me made me feel feel good and nostalgic when I watched it. Yeah, I've always liked the song. I feel like it reminds me of like Taxi or something too, like that theme song where it's like with Angela the song. You're like maybe necessarily not the most like I'm not gonna put this on a playlist or something, but when I hear it I smile. I might actually put this on a playlist. We should why don't we have like a Spotify playlist that people can download? Of just theme songs? Put one together. <laughs> like, yeah, we can just do that. We should just do that. Uh, that said, though, as somebody who loves television and loves sitcoms, I don't know if I could listen to like an hour and a half of just sitcom songs. I don't think I would ever just out. put a sitcom song on. Like, I don't care how much I like it. Like, it, all really liking a TV sitcom intro would do for me is not skipping it on Hulu. I would never just be like, oh, I'm going to throw this song on. But like I said, this song reached like number one on the charts and we've had other songs like Cheers and stuff that were like commercially successful songs that were created Mash. for shows. I could do it with all the Disney afternoon shows. I could listen to them all. Gordo, that was, um, you're thinking of the Monster Mash. I, I am. I am. No, I was thinking of Suicide is Painless, which is also a very Upbeat, fun song. An upbeat, jaunty tune. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> has that same feel-good vibe that Welcome Back, Cotter has. Makes me nostalgic still. And then it was also the sampled version for the Mace song for Welcome Back, Cotter. If you guys remember that Welcome Back song. I do not. Mace Windu? Uh, no, Mace of the Puff Daddy era. <laughs> so now we get into the actual episode itself, and we see all the sweat hogs near Cotter's desk, and they had just painted this giant mural behind his desk and it's like the history of the sweat hogs <laughs> and he comes in and doesn't see it at first and everyone's acting uh, appropriately which is abnormal for them so when he first says good morning to everybody they say um good morning mr carter we're all in our places with bright shiny faces and he's like excuse me where's my class <laughs> and turns around and sees the mural and goes oh there they are i like that 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 told you everything that you needed to know you see a lot about the hijinks even before he walks into when they're just discussing, like, you know, what do you guys think of the mural? And they're, like, kind of, you know, talking about it like they're art critics. I mean, this episode does work as a first episode. You know, if this was the pilot, I can see being, like, within five minutes, you understand what's going on. We're not to believe that this is the first day of school, correct? No, I don't think so. It looks like they all have a rapport with Yeah, it doesn't seem point. that way. Yeah, because he knows their names and everything. Well, I mean, that doesn't, I mean, you know, other teachers at our school knew us because we were... Such great children. We were sweat hugs. We were sweat hugs. When Cotter finally notices the mural and he's like, what's this? <laughs> it's like, oh, it's a present for you. And <laughs> they, they come to realize that it's, um, like I said before, it's the history of the sweat hugs. And because, as I mentioned before, Gabe Cotter was one of the original sweat hogs from like 10 years prior. 
it starts with like their class and he's kind of going through the timeline and it shows them and him like hitting the principal with a spitball and then it kind of goes into him being on a date at coney island and then him like taking the date like like onto a blanket at the beach and i was kind of like well when did he share these details because then it sounds like some uh some stuff happened with him and the girl and i don't know why that made it into the mural yeah he definitely uh told those kids about like the time he fucked some girl under the boardwalk at one (laughs) point also i don't think he looks particularly old in this but it is wild to be like i think every one of us looks younger than gabe kaplan looks right here and he's 30 oh he was 30 for this episode when it came out yeah, it's just crazy how different people look 40 years ago. You it's know? just an anomaly. Like, it's, yeah. we've discussed this ad nauseum, right? Like, it's just the style, the hair, the, honestly, part of it is the, like, their line of work, too. They all have, like, they're, they're in the middle of their careers at 30, right? Which just isn't the case most of the time nowadays. So it's just, it's, it's all about looks and, you know, just your perception of, the person because of well he has like the big mustache and the fro and that's going to age him up a little bit because he's 30 but some of those sweat hogs are like 23 24 all these guys that are playing teenagers Teenagers. and high school kids (laughs) i believe the youngest was travolta and he was like 20 at the time yeah they're very obviously not six so he's not even yeah he's not even that far like he's supposed to play about 10 years older than him but in reality he's probably five six years older than most of them I think there's something to say for like when everybody smoked in every building everywhere and you were just constantly inhaling smoke. And we say, I say that as somebody who's smoked, you know what I mean? Like I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying like when every restaurant, every bar, every house, even if you, sometimes I see like Christmas pictures from like 1991 or whatever. And there's just like a haze of cigarette smoke in the living room with everybody. You're like, oh yeah, they're just ashtrays for people. Even if you didn't smoke, people smoked in your house. I think being around all that all the time definitely aged you more. And now we don't really get that. But maybe all the vaping is going to make people age like a cotton candy. If you're my brother, Nougat. (laughs) He smokes Nougat? Dude loves a good tiramisu. (laughs) As he's still going along the mural and going through the story, they all start singing in unison, like pomp and circumstance, like going through it because it sounds like a speech. But then he starts going because he's getting back into the now that he's back in the class. He's like, well, here I am, you know, coming back to my old school to teach these brand new group of sweat hogs. And here's that group painting this mural on the wall. And this is the part I like the best. The same group going into the closet, getting mops, sponges, soap, and water, and cleaning all this junk off the wall. And they're singing along because, you know, he kind of, I'm not vocalizing it properly in a way that, you know, this is the turn where it sounds like he's telling a story, but he's really just telling them to clean up. This episode in itself is very sing-songy. Like, there's a lot of singing. There's a lot of vocalizing. At one he point, sings a lot, yeah. Gabe Kaplan just kind of does a rap. I think he should have kept it. And show that they care and they put in an effort. And that's their whole thing is they don't try. Yeah, but part of it was him like hitting the principal with a spitball. So I, like you'd probably have to edit that part. Well, I don't know if the prince. I don't think it was uh, photorealistic enough for the principal to walk in and be like, is that me getting hit with a spitball? Yeah. <laughs> I guess to paint a picture to the listener. Yeah, it was it was very far from like um, legitimate street art. Oh, Banksy didn't do that? I didn't look it, no. <laughs> you know, Banksy, who I know what that is now. Thanks to oh, I forgot you didn't know who Banksy was. That's dating ourselves. That's early episodes. Well, now that we're in the hundreds. So the sweat hogs tell him that they're going to clean it up. And then when they all walk up to him, the four main sweat hogs, they say, well, do you want us to take care of your jacket too? He's like, what about my jacket? It's like, well, we use the extra paint to paint the top of your desk. And he pulls up his arms and he's like, oh boy. <laughs> then all four of them who's put their hands on the desk to tell him lift their hands and 
are also covered in pee. And that's I love the that they all forgot. <laughs> yeah. Got it yeah, that was good. That when it first happened, they said it, and I was like, he wouldn't notice that they painted his desk. I have a white desk right now. If I walked in and all of a sudden it was like mustard yellow, I would know something was wrong. But then my anger at it went away when they all put their hands on it, and I was like, oh, lol, I'm okay now. I don't mind anymore. So the following scene is when we see Cotter sitting in the teacher's lounge, and he's just having lunch, and that's when the other teacher, Alex, heads in. As we said, Alex is a known actor, which is like, well, nowadays, was he, he wasn't really doing much then, right? He was super This young. is one of his first things, yeah. So he's just a working actor who got a walk-on on an episode for one, he only just did this one episode, so he wasn't like a recurring character. Right. Yeah. And he's the drama teacher and also the debate teacher. And he's going over one of the plays that he's doing, or it's weird. He's having dialogue with Cotter. And when Cotter says something, he's like, wait a minute, say it again. And he's like working on his delivery and how he's saying it. It was, it was kind of weird. It's funny, but it was weird because it's not like he was auditioning for anything. So, but we're, we're getting a vibe for this kind of teacher. And Cotter very openly doesn't like him and pretty much says, like, can you please get away from me? Yeah, they have kind of a contentious... Like, not even like a, we work together, I tolerate this person. He's kind of outright shitty to him. It's, yeah, pretty hostile. Because he tells him, like, I don't know how much longer I can hold on with you in this room. And he's like, oh, well, the snappy retort. He's like, no, it's not snappy. It's just, you know, I can't tolerate you. But I thought it was weird in this scene, they have the coffee pot warmer. And they're both, it's filled with just water and they're both having tea. Which I just thought was an interesting choice, right? Usually you see teachers midday, everyone's pouring cups of coffee and they went with tea. Which I feel like is a very specific choice. Well, that's why they're not called coughters. He's like the thespian, though, like the proper. But, like... but Gabe's having tea too. That's if it was just that guy, it would be the Kevin from the Office tea you would joke, which I would like totally <laughs> get right. But Gabe's having it too. If you remember in middle school, we had a history teacher who every day had a microwave in his classroom, would just microwave water and make tea. I always thought it was super strange because he would do this while teaching us, like. You, you have breaks during the day. Go have your tea then. I don't understand why you're making a cup of tea in the middle of class right now. I always hated that because we would get in trouble for having anything but water. Like, I don't care that you're a teacher, but if I want to have a coffee right now, I would get yelled at. Yeah. Especially when most of our teachers had other things in their tea and coffee. Oh, yeah. For <laughs> sure. I was going to say, Nick, was that the same guy that we uh, dumped tea in his... Dumped tea in his tea? In chalk in his tea? <laughs> We'll show him. How about some extra strong tea? No, this 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 was a middle school teacher. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That was a middle school. I don't recall putting chalk in anybody's tea. Oh, I definitely did. That makes sense. Well, that's a real yeah. piece I don't, of shit thing to do. Yeah, I hope that was very hot tea. I don't know if chalk would dissolve. <laughs> it didn't matter. He he would get up. You guys definitely know him. He was uh, from Ireland. Yeah, no, not oh, him. Okay. Rest he would peace. he would get up, turn his back around, or he'd leave the classroom, and I'd get up and I'd take tea. I'd take, like, chalk from the chalkboard, like a whole fucking thing, and I'd just go bloop right into, not, because he always had, like, a like a uh, travel mug that had just the right size hole for a ch- piece of chalk to go through, and I'd dump it in, and then he'd get about halfway through, and... You're a bad man. <laughs> You're a real piece of shit. He, he'd start going ballistic on us. <laughs> yeah, as he should, because that's, like, poisoning a person. That's not okay. That's not, like, an all right thing to do. I don't think Chalk's going to kill anyone. It definitely made him stronger. Who do you think would win the big, the biggest shithead in our youth award amongst us? I think I got accused of it, but I don't know if I was. I think it's a tie. It's going to end up being a tie between Gordo and Ferg, I think. Because I'm just rifling through my memories right now. I just... Gordo's done way worse than me. 
I don't know, man. No. The whole steak and cheese thing was pretty I'm bad. sorry. I, I didn't throw... So- all right, that same person, Gordo threw his shoes in the in the ocean. His only <laughs> shoes. Listen, to, to, be fair, to be fair, to be fair, I think Ferg wins this one. Yeah, you did a shithead thing by the steak and cheese, but Gordo throwing his only shoes in the lake. And wait, Gordo was part of the Gordo was part of the steak and cheese <laughs> thing too, so he's in that. No names, no names, no names. So anyway, if you want the story, uh, there was this kid that used to sit alone. At the lunch uh, thing, and sometimes he'd play chess with this other kid. So Goto had a steak and cheese that was just loaded with ketchup for some reason, like covered in ketchup, which is an awful <laughs> way to have a steak and cheese, by the way. I had Goto go over and take the their king. So the kid stood up, and then I put the steak and cheese on the <laughs> the kid's um, stool. But he sat back down in his khakis. It got all over his ass. And of course he was wearing khakis, right? Like, you can't, why it have to be khakis that day? <laughs> I just remember being, I mean, how old are you? Like, we're like 12, 13 years old. Even yeah, then, I was real. like, wow, what a shitty thing to do to somebody. <laughs> like, I couldn't even see the humor in it. I was just, I just felt bad. Yeah, just so kid. it's clear to people listening who are like, this isn't funny. This is really mean. We agree. Yeah, just yeah. for the record. The best part about the whole thing is that the kids stood up turned around and the steak and cheese plopped out of his butt (laughs) bad people it made it look like he pooped in front of the whole class in all fairness the first day i met him i tried to be nice and he would not tell me his first name so he made an enemy that day and a nickname and it stuck maybe he was like i don't want to talk to this kid he's clearly a piece of shit I'm sorry, you could all act all high and mighty, but you all laughed your ass off and you still laugh to this day about it. Well, moral of the story is later on, from what I hear, he moved kind of far away after we we're all friends and became a male exotic dancer and could do so because he could hang dong. So he beats everybody in the end. <laughs> yeah, but does he have a <laughs> podcast? <laughs> yeah, true. He probably has a podcast called like My Giant Cock and Those Dickheads I Went to School with 25 <laughs> Years Ago. And I'm sure he's sponsored. I'm sure he's selling so much mushroom water on his podcast. In his episode, he's like, and I bet Ferg thought he was the biggest dick that day. <laughs> <laughs> so to go way back to the Cotter and Alex um, in the teacher's lounge, they're talking about their students. And there's a moment where Alex calls, what's it, a- Alex Holmes, Mr. Holmes? Mr. Wells. Mr. Wells, I'm sorry. So uh, he refers to the students as sweat hogs. And Carter kind of defends him. He's like, oh, oh, wait, wait, not defends him, but defends the kids. He's like, well, you can't call them sweat hogs. Like, I can call them sweat hogs, and they can call themselves sweat hogs within the classroom. But outside of it, you can't say that. This kind of threw me off because it wasn't like he was saying something bad. You know what right. I mean? Like, this is the kind of thing that, like, you would say over, like, if a group of people in a certain group called themselves, like, an epithet that reflected back on their race or like sexuality or something. And they said that you can't say that about them, but they can say it about themselves sort of thing. But like sweat hogs means nothing. It's not that offensive. No, but again, it's context, right? We've, um, I believe Aziz and sorry had a bit about this years ago. It's like, if you say anything under the right context, it will yeah. come off the wrong way. Yeah. Like this sweat hogs because they're failures. Yeah. And if you, yeah, if you say it with, with mean intention, then yeah. And that's when, he says, like, no enlightened educator would ever call a child a sweat hog. And that's when the principal enters and goes, Carter, do you know what your sweat hogs have done now? <laughs> and apparently, their hijinks are a little bit more lighthearted than ours. 
So what they did was they switched the men the men's room and uh, women's room signs in the bathrooms at the school. So the principal had walked into the women's room by accident and startled one of the poor teachers. I'm sorry, you say more light lighthearted? That's not more lighthearted. They made a sex offender that day. <laughs> yeah, that's True. that's hardcore. But also, like, you walk into a school if you're like. Oh, this woman's room all of a sudden has urinals in it. Like, you'd know right away you were in the boys' well, room. Well, yeah, so I don't think the intention is for it to be flipped forever. It's just these isolated moments where someone walks in on somebody and, you know, like, what happened? Maybe because more poor Mrs. Fishbach, I was it Fishbach or whatever her name was. Maybe she was chomping down on some water cookies. Fishcock. She didn't want to get caught. I don't think it was Fishcock. <laughs> Fishbeck. Fishbeck. See, if they weren't sweat hogs and they were Fishcocks, then I would say you can't call them Fishcocks. Funny. You can hear that name and just picture what that teacher looks like. And there's a point here where, again, Cotter's defending his kids, and he gets into this point where he says, like, I'm sure my students can out-debate your students because he actually teaches the legit debate team. He's like, what? No, absolutely not. Are you challenging my students to a debate? And Cotter's like, yeah, all right. Like, you know, whatever. We'll, we'll set it up. And the principal was, like, adamantly against it at first, but I didn't understand why. Did we have a debate team when we were in high school? Not that I know I was of. wondering that, too. I don't think we did, but having said that, I would have been so far away from knowing whether or not we had a debate team. That's true. I'm not sure I would have tracked one if there was one. We did. Oh, did we? Tell us about it. <laughs> Shut up. I'm debate man. <laughs> Dr. John over here. No, we did. We had the mass debate team. Ooh. So anyways, now that they've establish that they're going to have this debate now between the two teacher students. There's this moment where, like I said, the principal didn't want them to have it, which I don't quite understand why, but he's telling them, don't worry, Mr. Woodman. And now Carter's flipping it on him and he's going, oh, say that again. Say it the way you said it before. And like, he grabs his mouth and he's like, like having a mouth at a certain way to like change his delivery. And he's saying it over and over. It's like, beautiful, terrific. Say it again. Don't worry, Mr. Woodman. And he's moving his arms and like playing around him like he's a puppet. And it was just like, how is he falling for this? Like, he's clearly be, being made to look like a fool, but he's not catching on. That's what happens when you're an ascot, I think. <laughs> His ascot was a little too tight. You think Mr. Woodman didn't want the thing because deep down he likes the sweat hogs and he didn't want to see them get embarrassed? No, <laughs> that, that, that's not the vibe I get from Ferg, do you think he's the fivish finkel of this, <laughs> this uh, faculty? <laughs> if only. R.I.P. So now the next scene we see um, the classroom again, and the sweat hogs are finishing cleaning up. And they've like, the wall's back to normal. Everything's back to before the mural was painted. And they're like, all right, we're good enough. And Cotter heads in, and he's like, yeah, see, Mr. Cotter, it came right off. And now he's like, okay, now that the history of the sweat hogs has been removed, I wonder if you guys can, you know, express yourselves in another way, like in words. And Epstein's like, hey, words are great, Mr. Cotter. You know, I use them all the time. As a matter of fact, I just use words to tell you that I use words. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I like these. <laughs> that that I, one missed. I'm, I'm popular opinion, but everyone loved, like, the other sweat hogs. When I was younger, for some reason, Juan Epstein was my favorite sweat hog. I used to love, I, I used to love that he always had the notes signed Epstein's mom, and I was waiting yeah. for it in this episode, and it didn't happen. I was so let down. There are a couple of telltale things from the show, like, that if you know the show's history, that they don't do in this episode. And one's coming up in a second where Vinnie Barbarino says his famous line, but he doesn't say it the way he's famous for saying it. Oh, he says garden hose. Yeah, but yeah we'll get into it in a second. I'll say this. In the pilot episode, which was filmed before, he says it the, the other way. Yeah, he says it normal in the pilot, which we didn't see. Yeah, we'll talk about it later on, but... 
Um, that was one thing that to go back though, the pilot versus this, we don't get into a deep dive of that. Here we're meeting the sweat hogs, but we're not getting we're learning about the all the kids through their actions, but we're not getting a lot of backstory on them. We're just kind of being introduced to everybody. I was also let down that there was no um Freddie Boom Boom Washington. Hi there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one's so stupid. Uh, do you guys remember Viva Variety? Yep. Yeah. I loved Viva Variety. At Comedy Central. One thing I always remember is one of the characters that Michael Ian Black was doing was talking about going to meet the president, Freddie Boom Boom Washington. <laughs> and for some reason, whenever I think of him, it was either him or, God, the other guy from that show, from Reno 9 everything else. But it was one of the guys on that giving a big impassioned speech about meeting the American president, Freddie Boom Boom Washington. And I think about that all the time. Johnny Blue Jeans. Viva Variety! I don't know how to quite tackle, like, describing every character. I guess we'll just have to find moments where they're being discussed in the show. So Epstein is the, like, the tougher of the ones. You usually see him in, like, a sleeveless denim. Yeah, he's voted most likely to take a life. <laughs> you know, to go through them all, I guess, then, you know, we have the four main sweat hogs. And Horshack, he was, you know, he's the goofy one of the group. He's the Screech. Yes. He was the Screech before Screech, and then him and Screech had celebrity boxing. <laughs> had a boxing yeah, fight that was very impressive. Screech beat the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, it was very sad. And sadly, RIP to both of them. Yeah, right? Epstein and Horshack are both uh, not with us anymore. Oh, I also meant, and Dustin Diamond. Yeah, oh, I thought you meant the two, uh, Epstein. Uh, John Travolta plays Vinny Barbarino. He was like the leader of the pack, kind of the leader of the Sweat Hogs. I, I don't know how you describe him other than that, like just kind of the one that they all look up to a bit. The Danny Zuko, if you will. Yeah, he's a he's a ringleader of the crew, and then uh, Freddie Boom Boom Washington. The reason Boston almost didn't play it because there was one black sweat hog, and they didn't know how people were gonna take it. He, he was like very like smooth, very funny guy. I'm trying to think of like how to best describe uh, Freddie Boom Boom Washington's character the best, but he's kind of like the clever one. He's got like the most charisma, I think, out of all. Yeah. Although yeah. him and um Barbarino are probably like one A one B with that. But yeah, in this whole thing about the words and using words, this is when he tells them like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about setting up a debate team. He's trying to get them all involved and he's like snapping his fingers and like singing about how he wants to have a debate team. This is like the proto-rap thing that feels like it's part of Stomp or something. No, this made me really laugh and I don't know why I felt stupid because I didn't even know why I was laughing. The, the little walk with his hands <laughs> that he was doing. As he's getting to the song and really getting into it, yeah, there's the moment where he like raises his hands and he's walking through the crowd and like he was like... <laughs> He's really, really into it. There's a point, I think, towards the end, he's like, starts with a D. And I think um, at some point, towards the end, something about dingling, it was, uh, the song gets a little off the rails towards the end, but he's getting people a little excited. And he said, just think of a debate as sort of a, a rumble with words. And that's when Barbarina goes, you mean like up your nose with a garden hose? And uh, not garden hose, typically. <laughs> yeah, typically, it's rubber hose. Jay definitely just picked this episode so he could do John Travolta impressions <laughs> the entire fucking Yeah, You're not going to believe this. Sandy, come back. <laughs> Jay, that's a great John Travolta impression that you're doing. How's your Bobcat Goldthwait impression coming? Listen, my John Travolta's not that good. And <laughs> that, that's, uh, you can only imagine how bad the other one is if I'm comfortable doing this one. If you want Bobcat, you're just going to think of John Travolta getting hit by a bird in uh, Wild Hogs. <laughs> and that's basically, the, that's basically the voice. One of the greatest moments in, tel in uh, cinematic history. All right, Wild Hogs definitely on the potential watch-along <laughs> list for movies. <laughs> but anyways, to go back to that line, the up your nose with a rubber hose, and in this case, garden hose, that comes from Gabe Kaplan's comedy. It's um, only in that it was 
it was up your hole with the mellow roll and they wanted to soften it a little bit and nothing up the hole. So they switched it to the nose. Um, but that comes straight out of his comedy. What is a, a melon roll? Mellow roll. What the hell is that? Like the candy? I don't know. It's a Rolo. <laughs> Maybe yeah. he means a tube of Rolos, which I believe have nougat in them. Mm. Oh, they Maybe have caramel that. in them. No, oh, they're all caramel. caramel. Well, fuck me then. I haven't had a Rolo in a long time. But that was that was the TV show's big hook, though, right? Like you would see, like there were T-shirts of him that said "Up your nose" or the rubber. That hose became and, like a big cultural and thing. And off my him. case, toilet base. Yes, yep. that was the other one, which he does differently in this episode, but says in the pilot the right way. Very strange. This show is a lot of weird rhyming. I don't remember what he says in this one, but I do remember him saying it correctly in the pilot. Why was there so much rhyming? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of rhyming. Up. Like uh, Mr. Cotter does it. Everybody's doing it. I don't understand the rhyming. Because it's the 70s, man. Everyone talked in rhyme. Well, that was even like when we talk about the actual song. You know, the guy who wrote the song is like, I can't rhyme much with Cotter. <laughs> He's like, I'm just going to have to go off the rails here and make something different. Otter. <laughs> <laughs> Here are some words that rhyme with Corey. What a, what a, what a fun, yeah, what a fun song. But yeah, Pot. so you say hot rhymes with Cotter? <laughs> pot. Pot? It's still pot. Cotter it and pot don't rhyme. Do you mean potter? Sure. That's not how rhymes work. <laughs> it's not the front part. Slaughter. Did we just uncover another very basic thing Gordo should Yeah, Gordo doesn't know how to rhyme. <laughs> You're a musician and you don't know how to rhyme. I also don't know how to play an instrument too, so <laughs> let's be let's be fair. Never, remember when Gordo played Wonderwall and he couldn't get out of the chorus? Like he just kept redoing, he couldn't figure out where it ended. He sang the chorus to Wonderwall like seven times while playing it. Live. I don't remember the song being it, it so was, long. There was uh it was at his old apartment. He played for like there was like it was a bunch of people there. I watched Oh, we did a show there, right, Gordo? <laughs> yeah. Some yeah. say he's still there playing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all played it. And I believe you covered one of our friends' songs. I did. And I believe you did it, it, and it really pissed him off. Well, I took his song so he couldn't play it. <laughs> yeah. And made it a sing-along. But it was an original song. Mm-hmm. Well, real dick move, Joe. You win the dick pic <laughs> contest. Yeah, I know, And then Joe. I made him sit in a steak and cheese sandwich. I apologize. <laughs> I believe that that's where the uh, the photo of me with the cowboy hat, very drunk, playing guitar comes out. I look like a like a cowboy. You gotta be specific. You've been a cowboy a lot. Yeah, I remember being at that apartment one time where you made us take a picture of you with all that cowboy stuff so that you could put it onto Craigslist, maybe? Trying to Whoa. get people to call for... <laughs> some sort of a date or something. And we we're all just like, Gordon, no one's going to call you. And you're like, yeah, yeah, they totally will. And like four hours, five hours later, everyone drinking is like, hey, Gordon, the phone ring yet? It's like, no, nobody called. Trying to get me a thoroughbred. <laughs> call me for out calls. I was trying to thoroughbred myself, if you know what I mean. So do I with thoroughbred. Thoroughbred. You know what I meant. <laughs> but anyways, Cod is trying to get them to get into this debate thing and get him excited. And they're not really having it. He just kind of plays that reverse psychology. It's like, oh, I guess you're all too chicken to mix it up with Mr. Wells' debating class. And that's what we hear. You mean those turkeys? We're not afraid of them. And now he's like getting everyone kind of into the idea of it. And that's when he's like, okay, well, let's start getting some volunteers. Because they're saying like, we'll stuff them. We'll fricassee them. Like all these things. 
Cotter tells Horshack to get up and like start like let's start testing the debate because like all right, what's the topic? And they decide on what was it? it not not is it anger in general? Was it ang- aggression? Like the, aggression. Aggression. And it was testing out the you know the theory of aggression and why it's needed versus why it's not needed. And Horshack gets up there and he is completely lost and he's just basically just saying the same things over and over again, trying to just like right uh, wait out the clock so he can get off uh being on the stage and consistently saying axe you yes i've no i noticed that too i like that he's like the nerdy one but he's not a smart nerd which was is like the stereotype for all these shows the one like the one smart member right they don't have the one smart member <laughs> but in any event when he's done rambling on for a couple minutes with that nonsense he still has uh you know all his friends behind him so they're all cheering him on and he sits down so now it's Epstein's turn to go up, and he tells him that it's time to either take the rebuttal or give him the no argument. And he goes, sure, no argument. I did like that. It was funny. It was the idea of the, no, I agree, aggression's the way to go. I mean, I knew that's what was going to happen, but it was still funny, at least. And then he's like, no, you have to prove that you don't need aggression. So that's when he walks up to the, uh, the desk of Horshack, and he's like, hey, Arnold, people don't need to be aggressive, do they? <laughs> Obviously being very aggressive towards him. And he's like. No, 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 they don't. I lied. I swear. I lied. People don't need to be aggressive. <laughs> and FC walks to Carter's desk. Carter, look, I'm really good at this rebutting stuff, you know? This is the Jay fucking impression podcast this week. I wouldn't say those are strong impressions, but there's, uh, the inflections of uh, how they speak are so strong. You, you kind of say it a little bit like them. No, you could go way hard. I mean, like, if you were doing an impression of Horshack, you could go way harder. You go, like, ooh, 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 Mr. Yeah. Carter. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> So now everybody's on board and, you know, they're all kind of singing along and they're ready for this debate now. So the next scene, we have Principal Woodman in the room with Cotter and they're getting ready to get the debate set up. And Cotter asks him if he's ready for the big debate. He's like, I am ready, Cotter, to see you make a complete an utter fool of yourself. And then Cotter just goes like, and like makes a funny face and like wiggles <laughs> his face around for a minute. And uh, it went on for way too long, that face, yeah. if you ask Yeah, me. it was a bit long on the like, how's that? <laughs> I was surprised, he, like, the theory of it. Like, I understand the backstory, but for him to be that, you need to be, like, a little afraid of your boss in these, in these types of shows, right? And he clearly doesn't care at all and will <laughs> say whatever he wants. Once a sweat hog, always a sweat hog. Yeah. Then he's like, that's exactly how I would expect you to act from a man who expects his sweat hogs to out-debate the debate team. Like, well, let me run down now and get those turkeys. Uh, I, I mean, the debate class. I definitely laughed pretty hard, but he called them turkeys. And he's, he's trying to, like, Carter's still trying to defend his kids. Like, Mr. Woodman, you won't even recognize my kids. I told him to make sure that they behave like ladies and gentlemen and told them to dress dignified. And you see them all, like, march in, like, in a weird, like, uh, like one hand in front of the other. Like, just, like, they're connected. Yeah, they're doing, like, a weird chorus line thing. It's or like something. in a work safe elephant walk. And um, <laughs> they're, they all have costumes on. And the principal just goes, they're not people, Connor. <laughs> I do like having the, like, stiff uh, authority figure in the show. I think that definitely helps. You need to have that foil. And when Connor's like, what the fuck's going on? Doesn't say fuck, but <laughs> essentially, it's like, don't worry, this is part of our plan. Like, the whole outfit and everything that they're doing. And Bob Reno's like, look, you want me to remove my suspenders? I'll remove the suspenders. They ain't much dignity in a pair of pants dropping on the floor. I wonder if that's what he said to that masseuse that time. And they're going over what everyone's wearing. They're all kind of have like something that needs to be discussed on. And Horshack has a top hat on. He's like, what about my top hat? That's real dignified. Like, well, where'd you get it? 
I got it from Murray. He's like, who's Murray? He's like, Murray the horse. And he puts his fingers through the ear holes that are in the top hat. That <laughs> He stole a handsome cab horse's hat. Like, did he just grab it and run? <laughs> yeah, because I would assume that'd be like, that would be the horse that's like a horse and carriage walking you around like Central Park, right? It'd yeah. Be, that's the only time I could envision the horse having a top hat on. And then he talks to um, Washington, Freddie Boom Boom, about his coat. He tells him that coat looks like it comes at a $95 funeral. Like, this coat, this coat was worn at the famous Lincoln-Douglas debate. He's like, what? He's like, yeah, I wore the coat when my father Lincoln was beating the daylights out of my brother Douglas. <laughs> that was a pretty good joke. Funny joke, but again, it's like one of the jokes that it, you couldn't say it now. Because yeah, like the thought of like, my father like... just beating the, the kid's brother is like not something that would fly in today's world joke-wise. But also like a rare moment of like, that's something they would have had to have learned in school. Like, you don't have a lot of curriculum stuff or that anything seems to be retained from them, but somehow he retained Lincoln Douglas. And then when Epstein gets up, he's, like, he's he's dressed up like some weird, like, I don't know. It's, like, he's it's like he has, like, a pirate sword and a bandana around his, like, fro, and then his shirt's tied up, like, around his, like, it's not like a belly shirt, but it's tied up high. He said that that's how his grandmother dressed in, like, um, when she fought on San Juan Hill for the Puerto Rican Jews. <laughs> And that she looked like Teddy Roosevelt because she yeah. had mustache and sideburns. I was thinking the other Roosevelt. I thought he just said Roosevelt. No, he said Teddy. Oh, I didn't catch that part. If it was like Franklin, it would be like the mother would be in like a wheelchair or something, right? That'd be like the only thing you could distinguish her. <laughs> be tough to go up San Juan Hill in a wheelchair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she was more effective when she had to get down the hill to yeah. <laughs> The cavalry charged down there. <laughs> You guys should grow up making fun of the disabled like that. You need yeah. to grow up like me. This is like the line that I was most shocked by because this is when Carter was like, Epstein, close your mouth and sit on your sword. And yeah. like, <laughs> well, this is where he keeps, he keeps starts with the weird sexual stuff with Rosie too, though. I was going to say, I don't know if that was intended to be, but I took it that, took it that way. I feel like the first time the crowd took it sexual, but I don't know if it was intended in writing to be that way. I think it was because they like triple down on it. Yeah, because Cotter, like Gabe Kapler, uh, <laughs> when he acts, and this happens in this episode, and you can see it actually, Ferg will tell you too, if you watch the pilot episode, he like smirks a lot. Like there's a lot of, you can tell they don't do a lot of takes and he like, he cracks himself up sometimes. But yeah, the girl, uh, Rosalie, she gets up and she's dressed up like a cheerleader and she just starts doing like a, a really basic cheer, like, give me an S, give me an W, give me an E, A, T. And he goes, give it to me later, okay? And like pushes her off, but the way he says it, everyone's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> like, well, she like dances and backs her ass into his crotch, and I think that's why it was perceived that way. But maybe wasn't intended. It was like just the perfect storm caused it yeah, to happen. It that was way. just poor blocking on the stage. Like. Yeah. And Rosie Hotsy Totsy is in Police Academy three with Bobcat Goldthwait. So Jay, we once again ask you, how is your impression coming? It's twice in one episode. It's uh not great, and I'm I'm gonna have to figure it out on vacation, I guess. <laughs> Because next time we record, we're doing our two-year anniversary. I always thought it was strange. There's, there's always a female, like, this female sweat hogs, but they don't, like, you know her name from looking it up, but they don't ever introduce themselves. No, he he calls her by name once here, but I, I, I feel like... No, she's a character in the show. No, I'm saying that there's always, like, right. either her or there's another one, too, even in the pilot, but they don't get, like, they get lines and everything, but they don't get a description, they don't introduce yeah. themselves, they don't yeah. do anything like that. She got a couple lines throughout this episode in a way that I felt like they probably intended for her to maybe be the female sweat hog, like, of yeah. the gang, and they just kind of didn't go that way. Because she did, she 
she didn't get as much spotlight as the four guys, but after that, she had a few lines throughout the episode. She, like, if it wasn't one of them, it was her speaking, and really nobody else in the class. But Jay, correct me if I'm wrong, in the pilot one, the female sweat dog that comes shows up at the apartment in that episode, that's not her, right? That's a different female sweat dog? I don't recall. It, I thought it was a different one. That girl I was, like, assuming was, like, Vinny's girl or something, the way she was, like, with him when that happened. But I, I can't remember. I'd have to look that up. So now as they're talking, someone runs into the room and goes, the turkeys are coming, the turkeys are coming. And I don't know why. When I saw the kid, I thought he looked like Sherry O'Terry. I don't know why. Which is really <laughs> Could have been worse. He could have looked like Rachel Dratch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, poor Rachel Dratch. But when they, when they go in, they're, they're all heading in with the principal. And Woodman goes, good morning, sweat hogs, and welcome to your Waterloo. It's like, oh, way to take sides, Mr. Woodman. And Wells is quick to note how they're all dressed a little foolish. He goes, what is this, a costume party? Tacky, tacky, tacky. Like, oh, is that what you think, Mr. Wells? And they're like, these are costumes from your last play. I love it. It's psychological warfare. <laughs> it was. <laughs> like, sweat hogs. When they came in, they're like, oh, this is all part of our intricate plan. Like, it was. And that's the thing about these guys. They're, they're not great students, but it doesn't mean they're dumb. They're street smart. Yeah, and maybe that's the same. You know, we just said earlier that maybe we were the sweat hogs, too. And I, I do think that we kind of fell into that same type of category. Correct me if I'm wrong here, though. That means they went and raided James Wood's closet to get his clothes and costumes to psych him out, but Horshack still <laughs> stole a yeah. hat from a horse for no reason. <laughs> he borrowed it. Well, isn't that why he's called Horshack? <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you that one. I would have liked to have seen that scene. Come here, Morty. <laughs> isn't that why he's called Horse Hat? Murray, I swear I'll bring it back to you later on. <laughs> <laughs> the debate's about to start and that we find out that the subject is the same one that they were working on earlier in the class and that it's that humans are naturally aggressive and it starts with um the girl gets back up and she goes to do her uh, cheer again and once again though it's the the give me a s give me a w and the give it to me later again i felt like it was weird to go right back to that so soon because it had just happened 30 seconds earlier agreed yeah and even weirder they go back to it again yeah, but it works. Yeah. Like, if they cut the middle one out, the late one would make, it would work better. It works better as a callback if they didn't do this one, yeah. Yeah. And you have the turkeys all get up, and they're about to start doing their debate. Well, they have to do their reference checks first. I don't know how debates actually work, but apparently the way this happens is you stand up, and you got to go over your cited materials, and then the debate begins. So this girl gets up and she's reading over everything that it's from, like the New York Times and everything. Like every time she would say something, one of the other two guys would go, check, you know, study of the Arctic Eskimos, check. And like, they're going through the list. This girl has the thickest accent on earth. Yeah, it's quite the accent. It's that real like New York, like exaggerated. I'm um, trying to think. It, uh, Ferg, who's the, who's the rat that Rizzo ends up with? Like the female rat. I don't know her name. Sounds like just like her. I was going to say Janine from um, the animated version of Ghostbusters. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In, that, in that vein, too, yeah. Like Natasha Leone when she, like, puts the accent on hard. Yeah. And then once they do this um, checking, it's time for the Sweathawks to do theirs, and it's like, they don't have anything ready. <laughs> they didn't know that they had to have, like, cited material they were going to wing it. So now Epstein and Freddie are whispering in Barbarino's ears, and he stands up, and he just starts going over all his research stuff. And he goes, like, the last words of Jack the Ripper. I never met a person I didn't want to kill. 
And he got check. <laughs> Attila hunts speech to the troops. Trample everyone in sight. Check. My father to my mother. Now you hit him, Margie. My arm is tired. <laughs> <laughs> That's very um uh Bender esque almost. <laughs> that was I liked it was the first time that uh that uh I think it was Freddie Washington who did the check in like because they just following what they were doing. I thought that was really funny. I thought that that whole little um back and forth was good. This was my favorite part of the episode. Also, the female rat is Yolanda. I looked oh, it up yeah. and I'm mad that I forgot. Woodman goes, oh, before we get started, we need a timekeeper. And this is the first time we get the horseshack. Ooh, 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 which is like a, a very iconic thing from the show if you watch it. Now, do you guys think that we'd make a great debate team? Actually. I do. I do. Uh, are, you, are you in the chats? Are you in the chats, <laughs> yeah. where Ferg and Jay just will go at each other for hours and I just leave? I can't even read them anymore? Yeah, but those eventually devolved to, you're fucking stupid. (laughs) You're not wrong. It legitimately devolves into you two just calling each other names. People who've (laughs) known each other since literally the week they were born just telling each other they're fucking stupid because no one can win with you two. In school, I always felt like the only thing I had going for me because I didn't do homework was that I was quick on my toes so I could talk. And I remember when we were in high school, we did the solar power car thing. So it was My like, team won. so yeah. So what happened was they were all, we had a, it was like all throughout the grade. It wasn't even just within your class and you got to make teams with your friends and you had to make a solar power car and there was all different things that it was tested on, right? Like how fast it actually worked. And if the mechanics are right, and then there was like a verbal where you got like quizzed. And I mean, I did no homework on it. <laughs> and I, I could tell you, I was no expert on solar power cars. But I remember, like, we aced the verbal because of my ability to talk out of my ass. And that's all it was. I would just like to point out that my team would have beat yours if the friggin' Mr. Hicks didn't break our solar-powered car right before the (laughs) test. (laughs) Usually I say no names, but that name should stay in because that's funny in the context of what happened. You guys all be Team Sofa King Nasty, though, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah, we were were Team X, actually. Actually, to mention that teacher, the one thing I remember was somebody was like acting up. It wasn't any of us. That was the and Terminator he just had, like, moment. Sunglasses right? on, and he just yeah, he just turns and he's like, "I did not grant you permission to stand." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> like, uh oh. <laughs> but yeah, to circle it back, I always thought like debating is fun for me in a way, and I'm sure for Ferg too. So maybe that's why we get into it. But I do get frustrated <laughs> after a while. Sometimes I'll be working and I'll go in to check the work chat like two hours after I've been in there after a call or something. It'll be like. 400 unread messages i'm like i know i don't even need to fucking look at what's happening right now i do the same when ferg and like gordo get into world news arguments i'm like no i'm not interested in this this isn't fun yeah and but then like amidst that conversation will be like something important about the podcast and i'll (laughs) i I scroll through all of that crap because i i just don't care about the argument and then they'll be like, well, we put it in the chat two days ago. It's like, yeah, well, you're also arguing for four hours about something else, and I got lost. Yeah, amidst all the anti, anti-political stuff and with you two, and then Gordo just posting eight memes, there's something about what we had to do that you totally missed. <laughs> yeah, right. Or Joe talking about shitty 70s wrestlers doing arm bars. His name is Art Bar, and show him some respect. He's not alive anymore. Uh, you probably shouldn't show him that much respect. He did have some, uh, yeah, well, that's some, a lot. Some stuff that's not respectful. But he was the big juicer. <laughs> to get back into this debate, 
Cotter tells Washington, like, hey, head up there, like, lead the troops. He's like, I've never done this before. Like, I don't have anything prepared. Like, I've never talked in public before. It's like, you've never talked in public? Which is weird because he is so, like, confident when he talks amongst the class. Yeah, that's his character. Yeah, he's like, no, only in church. He's like, well, get up there and do that. Do what you do in church. And he gives a very sermon-like delivery as he's talking. I died at that. That was really funny. I think this is my favorite part of the whole episode was his, like, weird preacher impression he does here. I, w- I was hoping he was going to break in a dance at the end like, <laughs> like yeah. you do. Pull out a couple snakes. He's like, I've seen it in the history books. I've seen it in the streets. <laughs> He's going, and everyone's cheering <laughs> him on. And that's when that girl's like, Mr. Woodman, Mr. Woodman, Washington isn't following the rules. He isn't following the rules. <laughs> the she rules. Like, rules. <laughs> yeah. ah, drove me nuts. Rules. I had to type the, the word wrong in my notes so I'd remember to say it the incorrect way she how said. did you spell rules uh r-u hyphen e-l-e-s i have it r-u hyphen a-l-s so we were both doing similar I, yeah i had to remember to say it like incorrectly but the hyphen had to be in there the rules they're doing all this to prove aggression's a real thing and well not a real thing but that it's necessary and by doing that they're angering the other team it's smart i think they're they're doing a better job of proving that it's like unavoidable in the in in reality but yeah exactly we're finding it's like they're so clever in their ways of it's the do the work to not have to do the work thing the j gag special yeah <laughs> now it's time for them to bring up their guy todd and he's going to be the rebuttal and they start off with the hi todd and he's already a little agitated he's like friends and esteemed adversaries and then horsejack's like time's up <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was funny and he's like getting super pissed and like he's getting really aggressive towards him. At one point, he's saying that they're not even human and you get the, hey, off my case, potato face. <laughs> That's potato so face. You know the right one. Yeah. And it's just like, it's getting out of hand now because now he's like lunging at them, like ready to get into a fight with the sweat hogs over all this stuff. And that's at this point when Cotter's like, what are you guys doing? And he's like, look, it's cool. Trust us. Like we have a plan. He's like. No, he's like, it's not. And then the kid's like, hey, listen, I don't mind the interruptions, Mr. Carter, but they're proving what they are. And it's like, yeah, you know what you are, Todd? You're white bread. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, they get real offended yeah. by the white bread comment. And that's when he essentially threatens to punch them repeatedly over and over and tell them to shut up. And he's like, <laughs> Bob Reed was like, how are we going to shut up? You said we weren't human. And he's like, yeah, we're animals. <laughs> like growls at him. <laughs> And he screams, like, shut up, shut up. And then the time runs out, and uh, his team's like, come on, you're blowing it. And it's like, no, man, he already blew it. Yeah. And it was like, that's it. There you go. There's the aggressive boy. Woodman decides to cancel the, the debate on an account of dumbness, <laughs> which is a great official reason to end something. Imagine if we had a officiant officiating our podcast for dumbness. I think you'd call it right there. <laughs> that statement. <laughs> My one, my one issue with this whole scene, though, I, I think maybe if they cut out the end part, they could have let this go on a little longer and had the other people maybe keep the decorum a little longer and then just kind of snap because they are on very short fuse and they get to them a lot faster than I thought they should have. They could have taken turns like taking down the three kids one by one. Yeah, until they yeah. snap and then you get this. At least have the other the other kid come up, the other guy on the team, because the girl like the he's not following the rules. Like she's <laughs> yeah, already the rules. she's already pissed. So you got her, and then you got this kid. So yeah, maybe give the 
other kid time to get up and get angry too and try a different tactic on him to like knock them all down and that might have yeah. that might have been the play. When I looked up the actress who plays Judy, uh the Ruwells girl. Yep. I was like looking up to see if she was in anything and then the one credit I saw that I just hope is what I want it to be is she's a reporter in the made for TV OJ Simpson movie. That I just really hope that it's her going, but OJ Simpson wasn't following the rules. <laughs> just like dancing around the blood. I, maybe it's because this the time and like where the show is, is at, like it's 70s New York, but I was ready for you to say like, and she was in the Warriors. Is that the Cuba Gooding Jr. one? No, no, this is one from like 94, like right when it was happening. Oh, oh must have been great. Oh, somebody really capitalized on that one quickly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, they did that right away. I'm sure. God uh, bless America. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Well, we've talked about it before that like OJ was like just indicted and you couldn't walk around without seeing like a don't squeeze the juice t-shirt or pogs and slammers with him on it. So they really capitalized on that one quick. I can't imagine that happening again. No. The same way. No. It's weird. I mean, it's a it's a quite a pivot, uh, but when you look at something like the OJ stuff and it's also the times, right? This is again we're all glued to our televisions more. We don't have outlets to watch as much stuff. Much like when you said, like, even though there's a lot more channels in the 90s, but, like, when we're talking about Carson, you know, there's only a couple things to watch. You couldn't just escape and look at your phone and stuff. So it's on every news channel at once. It's cutting in. Everyone's talking about it. It becomes this big pop thing. And then also, because of, like, it being in a different time technology-wise, like, nowadays with all the forensics and cameras everywhere and smartphones like i don't think like a celebrity could get away with anything like that to that degree what would even be this drawn out there's also no twitter back then so there was no one to say like he's a fucking murderer you're a piece of shit for wearing that shirt <laughs> that's true too yeah but like imagine like i don't know i'm trying to think of somebody who was like an uh, ex-football player or whatever who acts now right but it's not a huge star or something like if that happened to peyton manning yeah peyton manning perfect right yeah if it happened to Peyton Manning, there wouldn't be t-shirts that were like, chicken parm, you murder so good. Like, they wouldn't do that right away, and they wouldn't be fucking everywhere. You know what I mean? The way the OJ stuff was just everywhere. Also, chicken parm comes up a lot. <laughs> I was going to say, I think we're letting the fact that you came up with it quick um, gave you a pass on how weird that was. Yeah, well. <laughs> for an example. <laughs> well, you said Peyton Manning. I know one thing about him, and it's that he sings the chicken parm, you taste so good song. I know yeah. nothing else about him. I would have said, like, Troy Aikman or, like, Bo... Sanders? No. Bo, Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson. I Come on. Oh, God. I'm so Bo embarrassed Sanders. for you. <laughs> the funny thing is, you're like, I'm so embarrassed for you. It bothers me none. I don't yeah. give a shit about football. I don't know. So Bo Jackson and Barry Sanders are the two people you combined. Man, you just made a, you made a superstar just now. Bo. <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll have a baby and he'll be the greatest football player of all time. And if he's part Bo, he can be somewhat decent at baseball as well. He should be good. It's not that. I want to dance. <laughs> <laughs> not with Bo Jackson's knees. <laughs> but yeah, so to close out this scene, all the turkeys are about to head out. The debate's over. And uh, the other teacher, Wells, right before he leaves, says to Carter, like, hey, I have one thing to say to you. He's like, go ahead. In your socks with a pound of lux. <laughs> he's got a little <laughs> bit of sweat hog in him, too. Yeah. Was he former sweat hog? Is he half sweat hog? I don't think it's been established, or maybe it's just rubbing off on him. I'd like to think that that teacher went flipped out on the turkeys after. You lost to the fucking sweat hogs in a debate. He was a perspirating piggy. Would you rather be a potato face, 
have somebody put a hose up your nose or have somebody put a bunch of smoked salmon in your socks because I feel like I feel like the smoked salmon in the socks oh, is the least. Oh, what about some old onion socks? Going oh, up. I thought he meant like padlocks. That's what I meant. I thought too. Actually, I thought locks like I thought locks too. like fish on a bagel. No, I thought it was like Mad Ball. Jay, do you have the script? Because it would be spelled differently. I have a transcript, which uh, when I uh, a lot of these episodes, when I look back to try to get like phrases and stuff, they're not like real scripts. They're the transcript versions, which are people typing out what they hear. So it's spelt like a padlock, but it doesn't mean that that's necessarily correct. But when I heard it, that's what I thought. Because when you say pound of locks, I'm thinking it's like the idea of it being weighted. So I'm thinking of like a piece of metal like that. But you buy you buy fish in pounds. That's true. No, I, listen, it could be either one. I guess it's up uh, up for debate. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm right. I think we we both have a strong. All of us yeah. here have a strong. They didn't elaborate. Yeah, so it could go either way. But I'd rather have a pound of padlocks in my socks than fish. Apparently, that it, it's locks, as in like a padlock, because in prison you put sock put them in sock and beat people with them. Yeah. Well, now I'm guessing we know. he's saying he wants to kill Mister Carter. Also in prison, they put rubber hoses in your nose. That's not a rubber hose, and it's not your nose that you're thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> they all leave. Freddy's like, hey, our plan worked. It's like, well, it was a terrible plan, but like, I'm proud of you guys for having a plan. It's terrible I don't as think it was. it was a terrible plan. Yeah, it worked pretty I think quickly. it's a great plan. Yeah, yeah, I think it was too. I think it was, it was a great plan. I think from Cotter's perspective, it's, I really wish you guys studied and did homework, <laughs> and you just found a clever way out of it. But that's when he goes, okay, Rosalie, give it to me now. And she starts again with the, give me an S, give me a W, give me an E-A-T. And they all join in and spell out hogs. But hogs isn't long enough, so they have to make it hogs with three Gs. Wild sweat hogs. It's a mashup movie that they missed the opportunity on. So now for the next scene, we get Gabe, who's back home with his wife sitting at the dinner table. And he's like, oh, did I tell you I saw Larry Simon yesterday? And he's telling a story that, you know, I saw him walking with his hands out. And... When he said, hey, what do you have in your hands? It was a toad. And he's like, well, what was he doing with the toad? He's like, that's what I said. It was like, apparently he was taking him to the zoo. It's like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, except I saw him today and he was still walking down the street and he had the toad in his hands. And he said, I thought you took it to the zoo. Like I did. And now today I'm taking it to the movies. I loved this. <laughs> I had the exact opposite reaction. I think that makes all the sense in the world, Gordo. It's corny. <laughs> I, I like, um, so the way they deliver it, I condensed it down a bit. There's a lot of like, her asking questions, and every time she'd ask a question, it was like, well, that's what I said, and he repeats what yeah. she said. It's, it's, it's goofy, like, even though the jokes are usually about his uncle and stuff, it's like, it's weird, like, dad joke, uncle humor, like, that's what it is. I like the relationship they have. I just think this joke is bad. No, this is uh, golden. It, it's, a dumb, it's a dumb dad joke, but I'll say, like, I didn't know the punchline ahead of time, so it, it, I mean, I wouldn't say I was in hysterics, but I found it amusing. I think the only way that joke could make you actually laugh would be if Norm MacDonald said it and there was somehow like three extra minutes involved <laughs> in the delivery of it. Then it would have been the greatest joke of all time. Through blood and bones. <laughs> 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 but uh, Norm MacDonald was the best. Yeah, man. What a, what a hard R.A.P. that is. He had a he had a sitcom, right, Norm? It's great. Yeah, we, we should do it. Yeah, we need to do that soon. It's him and um, Laurie Metcalf from Roseanne is one of the main oh, characters. Oh, okay, nice. Too. Uh, yeah, so that was, a, like, the whole episode. To, like, get into it again, like I said, me and Ferg watched the pilot episode, and the pilot episode, which was aired third, not even second, <laughs> and again, it's one of those things, Nick, you said you kind of read something about how a lot of pilot episodes were 
kind of not intended to be episode ones or nowadays a pilot is kind of built to be the first episode also but back in you know 70s 80s it was really just a pitch tool so i don't think when these episodes were recorded that they were intended to be the first episode it was just and it doesn't even need to be like an introductory thing like these pilots don't need to have like perfect introduction everything it just needed to be an interesting episode right so the these pilot episodes were built just to get the studio to sign on and they didn't necessarily need to like start the story or anything like that so so my thing is in those cases you don't even have to air them sometimes cuz we see so many shows that they change drastically like you know last week we did blossom and there were shifts in names of characters and casting changes and all that and then you kind of wonder like why do you even air this right cuz this was right. filmed in advance but this one here was an origin story it was actually the pilot episode is carter's first day at the school when he start when he gets the job and they they really detail each character and tell you a lot about each sweat hog so it was like this makes a lot of sense to be the first episode and it was funny so i don't know why they didn't just make it the actual first episode because it was good enough like it wasn't like an unfunny episode or anything but also, its placement at number three doesn't make any sense because now you know all these people and now you're just having to meet them on the first day. Yeah. It doesn't make, make any sense. Like, you could yeah. throw it out of order if it wasn't an origin story, like Nick was saying. Like, if they did it that way, then you could throw it wherever. Yeah. But here, it clearly was his first day of school. So it's very weird that if you're watching this show, like, oh, I like this new show on ABC. And then by week three, it's like his first day of school. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> We've already established this. It's the exact same thing that happened with Coach, where even though the coach, we we understood why they did it with Coach, right? Because they made him... Coach went the other way, kind of, though, didn't it? No, it was the 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 episode that was, like, the intended original show, the first episode, that they did second, was the daughter moving in to the school, and then they ended up not using that as the first episode. So you watch an episode where she's already there, and then you watch her move in. It just makes no sense. But that's a different case, though, because that makes him an unlikable person. Yeah, that was the thing with that pilot. It was a bad pilot, so they had to not introduce you that way. I think what you need to take away from this is that just protocol has changed in the last 50 years, and that's really all that it is. Uh, TV, I mean, sitcom is still a sitcom, but the way they went about it is much different than they do now. And just for clarification, go to a sitcom is what? A situational comedy. There you go. You know what's crazy? Nick, as you say it, I mean, it's legit two years away from this being a 50-year-old episode. Yeah, right. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, I know this yeah. was before we were even born. 50 years seems the... like a long-ass time. Yeah. And yeah. like, and then you see somebody like John Travolta, who has gone crazy in his old age for the most part. Still looks good. He still looks good, yeah. I think he looks good with the shaved head. He pulls it off well. Yeah, he looks like Randy Couture. He does. Yeah. Like Randy yeah, he Couture, does. yeah, he does. Also, if anybody hasn't seen it, the movie where he... The movie he's in that's directed by Fred Durst is... Oh. A good I've watch. wanted to see it. I haven't seen it yet, and I do really want to see it. I think we've talked about it. The only really downfall of that movie is the indulgence where Fred Durst feels the need to put Limp Bizkit songs into it, which of just course. doesn't need <laughs> to fucking happen, man. You got to give it to him. You got to give it all for the nookie. The what? <laughs> Did you see how, um, nookie. to get back into Cotter real quick, that Farrah Fawcett was originally considered to play the role of Julie Cotter? But they were like, oh, no, this isn't believable that. <laughs> yeah. like, no offense, Gabe, but. Gabe's like, ah, nice try, Gabe. The girl who got the job was like, wait, so what does that say about me? Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's a bummer. I mean, Farrah Fawcett, especially at that time, was one of like the most 
It's like, yeah, you can't be married to, like, Farrah Fawcett or, like, Bo Derek. I'm sorry. It has to be, like, a more normal-looking person. To be fair, if I were casting myself in the starring role of a sitcom, I would try something like that, too. Oh, you gotta give it to him, yeah. Yeah. Adam Sandler, he always has, like, a smoke show wife, and then he goes on vacation in every movie he does. It's genius. The only other thing about this show that I, I wanted to bring up was the other show that I can think of would be Taxi, but the intros are just kind of, like going through the city right and the every scene in the intro i'm just like like it just looks like such an awful awful place to be (laughs) ever like Like, i mean new york in the 70s it's just like everything is tagged and dirty and trafficy and i don't know if they're trying to like glamorize the city in these these intro like these uh i can't think of the word i'm looking for like montage like that too but always sunny doesn't show you like dirt. Yeah, it just seems like seventies, eighties New York City was just like not fun to be in at all. I would say it's probably very fun to be in, just not safe to be in. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess like, there's a difference. Old New York but... was a different time, but if you, if you're a fan of the cocaine, I think you probably would have had a great time <laughs> in seventies New York. Yeah, but the, a lot of it was like the city went bankrupt at one point. The government wouldn't give them any assistance. I, I forget what the there's like a famous headline that says like New York FU because they like reached out for more money or whatever. And that's why buildings were becoming like abandoned and falling apart. And it like this to wasteland. There wasn't enough cops like to combat the amount of crime there was. And that's why people who were lucky and bought like these weird buildings in like Brooklyn for like $400 in like the most dangerous part of the city in 1975 then sold them like four years ago for like a hundred million dollars because now the property is worth just just crazy amounts and all these people bought these buildings a long time ago as investments and it paid off but yeah i think we pretty much covered it about as much as we can for this episode and the show um i guess the only other thing before the green letter cancels that you know comes to mind right now is i would have been interested because we were introduced to the show after the fact and there's so much cultural reference that like especially in the 90s when it kind of got that nick at night run but like i really would have liked to have seen like how big was it really in the 70s? Because it, it had a, a moderate run, but it, it faded out kind of quickly. I honestly think it's the rising star of John Travolta that killed Travolta, the show. Travolta, and then, yeah, and then there was also just uh, issues with Gabe Kaplan and stuff, and he was having issues with the network and the producers, and so, like, it kind of fell apart a little bit. The ratings did start to decline, I guess, the third or fourth season. Fourth season, especially when Travolta had less of a presence. Well, after Carrie killed Travolta, it was hard to get him on the show. It's yeah. true. Plug it up. Plug it up. Do you think, like, if Travolta hadn't done those movies that were, like, forget Carrie, but, like, Grease and Saturday Night Fever, which are, like, two of the biggest movies of all time, I guess Carrie in that genre is huge. I mean, Carrie was very big at the time, too. But, I mean, nothing, Saturday Night Fever was, like, I think maybe still to this day might even be the best-selling soundtrack of all time. Like, it was such a monster across all fronts. Now, if he stays on the show and... Kaplan is good with them and is on the show more and they can stretch it out a little bit and find a way to make it work. Do you think this becomes like a huge, 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 like top of all time show? And I'll tell you why they would have tried to make John Travolta way too much of a part of it. They would wanted, they would wanted to have capitalized on his fame and one of two things would have happened. They wouldn't have written it the right way. And him being the center of everything would have looked stupid or to the, rest of the cast would have been pissed and found their way out of the show. I don't think there's a single way that could have worked. Well, think of this issue, too. They're all older than they're playing, 
anyway. And they're in high school, which is only four years. Exactly. That's what you do, though. You have them graduate. And then you bring in the next class of sweat hogs. You know, you, you do welcome back, Cotta, the new class. Or welcome back, Cotta, the college years. Yeah, but as a person who likes the new class, I'm like the only <sighs> person who likes the new class. I think you go you go the Boy Meets World route, though. And, and you have just... Cotter be the professor, yeah. Yeah, Cotter. And I guess that was like a pitched potential thing, too, that like we these kids are already too old to be in high school at the start of the show. And that's one of those things we've talked about. Like when we just watched, uh, you know, we covered that 90s show. If you guys hadn't heard us do that episode there, it's like, oh, these kids are too young, but they're the right age because shows like this always cast so old for, you know, 16 year olds. So when you see them, it, it comes off weird to you because they're all in their mid twenties. And like, that's what we view when we were kids, what we viewed high school kids as they were really adults that we just thought were kids. Do we get any failed spinoffs from this? Yes. Only one. So there's three total all three of them were backdoor pilots, but only one made it to production, and it stars Pat Morita. So what's the what was it based on? It was called uh, Cobra Kai. Oh, interesting. <laughs> it was called Mr. T and Tina. So Not... different Mr. T because this is pre pre Clubber Lang, um, and he was an eccentric inventor that became. He was like on, on an episode of it. He was like a weird character they met who was like this eccentric inventor or whatever. And they were they spun it off into his own show, and then a bunch of the sweat hogs are on some of the episodes too. You know, they do that with the spinoffs where it's like put people in from the other show too, but it only lasted like less than a season. And that was while well, he was already on, I think, Happy Days too. Speaking of backdoor pilots, somebody had messaged us on Instagram at S twenty one Pod and mentioned that um, they would be interested in seeing us do backdoor pilots. And I meant to ask you guys in our chat, and I just completely forgot about it. How do you feel about doing a backdoor pilot? Not falling for that again. <laughs> um, I like the idea of cap. If they're like regular season episodes in the middle of a series, we have to find like a different way to approach it. Right. Because, like, because even the first thing I thought of, and I think the person who messaged us even brought it up, like the farm episode of The Office yeah. is a backdoor pilot. It's obviously not the first televised episode of either the pilot or the show that it's on but it is a really interesting concept as far as we go i think i think it's like a like a like a special like something we need to maybe figure out how to make a special out of it and tackle a bunch of them without deep diving like super deep diving like a a random episode well here's the interesting thing right so there are two different kinds of backdoor pilots there's a kind like the farm with the office where you've got a main character from that show and then it revolves around them and a bunch of new people but there's also the backdoor pilots that they sort of in the first couple of minutes spin out into a whole different thing. Specifically thinking of there's one for facts of life. That's about an all boys like military school. And like the first episode of that is just like, Oh, my cousin Peter, like first minute like they mentioned something right. and it's just yeah. an entire episode with those people. So like those ones would be really easy to do because you're kind of just doing a different TV show. Like a, an actual season one, episode one. Right. It's easier. To that do. said though, for the other kind, I would be totally down to do them as long as we already had covered the show. That it spins off. Yeah, okay. That it spins yeah. off from. We'll hit the chat and talk about that because I think people heard us talk about Welcome Back, Cotter, long enough. To get into the Greenlighter cancels, let's start this off. Uh, let's switch it up. Joe, starting with you this time. Sure. This is a green light, and I was a little hesitant at first because I don't think this is the best episode of this show, and I don't think it's the most uh, representative of what the show is, but it's funny the characters are there. They do enough. I said in the beginning, it works as itself as a pilot anyway, because you understand the dynamic of everybody. Enough laughs in it. James Woods pops in. 
it's a classic sitcom. It does have a little bit of nostalgia feels, and I know that shouldn't pull me in any direction, but I mean, it's Welcome Back, Cotter. It's hard to say no. It's a green light. Fuck. This one more than other episodes, I had a really hard time not focusing on what I already knew about the show. Like, I brought it up a hundred times this episode. Just, like, all their, like, trademark things. And I was waiting for them, and they weren't popping up other than, like, a few. It's not the, like Joe said, it's not the best pilot. Oh, sorry, it's not the best first episode. But even not the best first episode is better than a lot of other shit we covered. <laughs> I I love the dynamic of the entire group. Everyone has, you know, their own role. I like Mr. Cotter coming from where they were, so understanding them. I wish they went with the actual pilot so you got, you know, a better understanding of each character, but they gave you enough. And I love how they show that they're not book smart, but they're street smart in coming up with the plan to beat the actual debaters. So, you know, all in all, it's a green light for me. Gordo. Yeah, it, it's a green light for me. It's a smart show. It's funny. I enjoyed watching this show front to back. It was nostalgic. It just kind of hit everything. It hit everything. It got the point across. I, I liked how smart it was. And it was equally as witty and equally as funny. And for some reason, like, you can tell that these characters have a really good chemistry with one another. And I think we failed to kind of touch on that. But they all have a really good rapport, probably because this was not the intended pilot. But for an intended pilot that I don't know anything else, these guys seem like mid-season, mid-season run with the way that their characters are gelling and fleshed out. It's a green light. I laughed, and the toad joke wrote me in. Green light. Nick. Yeah, like Gordo said towards the end there, um, I really liked how well the characters, or how comfortable characters seem to be in their skins there. It really worked. I'll tell you this. Cotter himself was not my favorite part of this episode. Uh, I think he could use some polishing. The rest of the cast was a lot of fun. The story was a little basic. I'm tell- I, I, I was a little on the fence with this one. It's nostalgia gets in the way. I feel like rev- green lighting it, considering how we do it, my answer might change if I'm green lighting or canceling this in the 70s verse now. Because I, I see it now as like another, you know, another student sitcom, like a, you know, teacher and students thing. But then you got to think that this is one of the first ones that did it. And they did it well. And they, they kind of paved the way, too. So. It's going to be a green light for me, albeit a, a slightly softer one than I would have expected to give this show, but at the end, it is a green light. Yeah, so I'm with you guys. I'm giving it the green light as well, and again, interesting because I did watch the pilot episode first and then had to kind of erase that real quick and watch this, and there are definitely aspects where I can understand why they swapped it in that this seems like a little bit more of a fleshed out, complete show, but I thought the pilot did a better job maybe kind of introducing it to everybody. But we've said before, you don't always need the origin story. This was just a fun watch to me, and I, I liked it, and I tried to take my nostalgia away from it. And it was fun. You could tell that all the actors in it were having a good time. Like, they were having fun with it. A lot of these older shows, I don't think they went into nauseam with the million takes. So you can see actors, like, kind of giving genuine smiles a lot in some of these older shows that you don't catch as much now. It was just fun. And, uh, yeah, so it was a green light. It would have been a green light if uh, I was rating the other episode. It, it was just uh, an overall fun watch. So that's a five out of five for Welcome Back, Cotter. So congrats. Elusive five-timers club. 
you live on especially to see another after episode. after last week we it was a five cancel now we have a yeah five a rare green, five right? five news so uh, it'll be fun to um i might kind of try to catch a couple of these episodes as i go to bed i don't know is there a streaming site for these i was just gonna ask you that i used to be on nick at night do they own the rights i don't know how any of that works it's an abc show it does not appear to be on any subscription service for free you can buy on Apple TV, Vudu, Amazon Prime, YouTube. You can buy it, but as far as actually being... And this is Google, who is, for what Google is, is terrible. No, I, I, I can back that up, though, because I had to buy the episode. Okay, yeah, so... Usually when I type it in on the Fire Stick, it'll come on to whatever's free, and then if nothing else, there's the option to buy. The option to buy was the only thing that came up, so I had to buy it on Prime. It looks like it's $20 a season to buy if you want an HD. It didn't film it in HD. <laughs> I don't need HD. Welcome back, Cotter. It's filmed in the 70s on tape. <laughs> it's also 1999 to buy an SD. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, great. Usually there's a price differential there. I don't know why there was. For 79.96, now I think I'm in. So yeah. good. Good to know. Yeah, anyway, so go find it if you can. Uh, Welcome back, Cotter. It's a fun show. I don't know if it's syndicated anywhere, but. It's available. Google it. You'll you'll find some sites. I think it's on MeTV on Sunday mornings. I, I saw somewhere. Well, maybe it'll be on MeTV later, too, when I'm watching something tonight. Waka waka. So thanks to everyone who listened. Make sure you go to s1e1pod.com. That's where you can find all the links to where to watch us, where to subscribe, everything like that, our social medias. Primarily go to s1e1pod on Twitter and Instagram. That's where we post the most. We definitely like to interact with you guys, so hit us up. Let us know shows you guys want to watch. We try to get some fan picks in there. It's uh, been fun tackling some of those, and we'd like to reply to all of you guys. It's been really cool getting to know some of you guys over the last couple of years. So again, S1E1Pod, thanks everyone for listening. We'll catch you again next week with our two-year anniversary episode, so make sure you listen in on that one. Thanks, guys. Catch you then. Goodbye. I think we got the best rules. <laughs>